Olympic Channel podcasts. Olympians are the fittest of the fit, but they can get sick too. Cancer doesn't discriminate. I took off my helmet and I kind of could feel some hair come out. And at first it was just a few strands and I was kind of like, okay, well that, that happens. And then I took a shower later, there was a few more strands and I could literally like pull out strands at a time. And so then I knew, okay, my days are numbered here. That was Keegan Randall and my name is Ed Knowles. And this is the official Olympic Channel podcast. Each week we find for you the very best Olympians and we ask them to go in deep about the biggest Olympic talking points. We want you to think just like an Olympian. Olympic Channel Podcast. Coming up, after winning her first Olympic gold medal in Pyeongchang, cross-country skier Keegan Randall has been diagnosed with breast cancer. This is a reality. <laughs> There's nothing I can do about it. I have to just take it one step at a time. In the face of such serious news, she has a message. Enjoy what your body can do because you just, you never know when something like this can crop up and it might be taken away. Olympic Channel Podcast. Keegan Randall is a five-time Olympian in cross-country skiing. Now, you might remember her because she dyes her hair pink. If you stumbled across her Wikipedia page, her career just looks like it's gone up and up. She was the first to chalk up a World Cup win by an American woman. Also, she became the first American woman to become a world champion. And then, with teammate Jessie Diggins, she became the first Olympic champion at Pyeongchang 2018 in the team sprint. What you might miss, though, is at one time she had a blood clot in her leg that nearly forced her out of the sport for good. There's nothing about the heartbreak of missing a medal completely at Sochi 2014 when she was a red-hot favourite. Or the fact that after Sochi, she went ahead and became a mother and still, on the 21st of February 2018, she came back to top the podium in Korea at the Olympic Games. The path to Olympic glory was not easy. Now there's another obstacle. On Mother's Day in America, on the 13th of May 2018, she felt a lump in her breast. And after getting it checked out, she later got a call. The call we all dread. Like many others, the first I heard about it was when she went public about her breast cancer on Instagram. We got in contact. And so it was a bright and early morning in Alaska where she's receiving treatment when I gave her a video call. The first thing I noticed was that she was wearing this bright pink wig. You can see a picture at olympicchannel.com. Less than 24 hours before the call, she decided to shave her head. So we started off by talking about what it's like to receive that call, the one no one wants to receive. Olympic Channel Podcast. It's certainly something you never expect to hear. Um, it's a situation you never see yourself in. Uh, so when I when I got the call, I definitely went through a, a wave of different emotions, almost like you know, any, experiencing a loss. Um, you go through disbelief, like no, this this can't be right. There must be a mistake. I mean, I'm not me. I I can't have this. You go through anger and frustration of yeah, this isn't fair. Like I've done everything right. This can't be happening to me. Um, but I have to say, thanks to all the skills I've kind of learned in my athletic career from going through setbacks and challenges. Um, that is kind of helping me through this process and just 
feeling that emotion, you know, acknowledging it and then kind of going, okay, well, yeah, this is a reality. <laughs> There's nothing I can do about it. So I have to just take it one step at a time. I, you know, the prognosis is good. You know, I just need to get through the treatment. I can get back to doing all the things I love to do. Um, and just going through it with the right mindset, I, I hope is going to carry me through. And then because I am so healthy and fit, I think that is going to help me handle the treatment a lot better than than some people do. I mean, already, I think the fact that I've kind of bounced back in the second half of this first round is a really good sign. Um, I've been able to exercise pretty much every day throughout this. Um, and I really hope that that carries me through and hope that can be an example to people because, you know, someone might say, well, if an Olympic gold medalist gets cancer, why should I even try? You say, yeah, but I mean, if you if this does happen to you because cancer doesn't appear to discriminate, you know, it's kind of a, a bad luck of the draw um, that being healthy will help you get through it. When you first start getting all of those conditions, I mean, uh, you know, like all the symptoms, basically, how does it how does it feel like to um, to start getting all of those physical symptoms? And that's when it starts to feel real. Because when I got my first infusion for the first two days, I felt pretty darn good. And so it's like, oh, okay, well, I know I have cancer. I know I'm getting treatment, but it didn't seem like a big deal. And then when the, the symptoms started to set in and I started to just feel really crummy, you immediately recognize how different that feels from when you feel good. And it was just hard to kind of know that the road was going to be long, that um, I didn't know how long those uh symptoms were going to last um, because for some people they feel bad the whole three weeks so mm. I just kind of had to take it day by day ride it out distract myself as much as I could with friends or getting out and exercising um, and just kind of work through it but it, it definitely I think I'm assuming the first round is going to be hardest just because you don't know really what to expect and so you you just take or taking day by day and I also am apart from my husband and my son right now and that's also difficult. So it made those tough days feel a little bit longer. But coming back out, feeling better again, I'm now just a few days from getting back home and reuniting with them. Um, uh, it's still going to be tough because I think there will be cumulative effects as I go through each round. But now I at least kind of have an idea what to expect and I'll get to be back with those guys. I mean, you're not just being healthy, are you? You're doing things that I would balk at, frankly. What sort of things have you been up to? I, I've been in Alaska a little over a month now. Um, we had just moved in April, so I, I came back to Alaska for my treatment. Um, I knew that I knew when the date of the start of the chemo was, so I tried to get in some some fun adventures. And then um, once the chemo started, I had a lot of friends um, come and, and be with me that first day of getting the treatment. And then uh, I told them, you know, get me out. Like it's going to be easy to want to just lay on the couch, but I need, I need reasons to get out and do things that are a good distraction. So, um, at the end of that first week I was, I was laying in bed and I was feeling pretty crummy and just thinking about how miserable I was feeling. And my friends called that they were going hiking. And so I said, you know what? I don't think that's going to make me feel any worse. So I'm going to go out there and I'm going to go hiking with them and we'll have some fun conversations and I'll be outside and so we went out and hiked for four hours and um, I didn't feel great through the whole thing, but I, I felt OK. And um, I was so glad I went out and did that because I know that that time would have gone so slowly. It would just would have been miserable to lay in bed and to get outside, I think, helped me a lot. And actually that evening I started feeling better. 
Um, and that was kind of a turning point where things, my energy started to come back. So I don't know if it's a coincidence, but um, I really found that even when I don't feel like it, getting out and doing something seems to be helpful. And I always have in the back of my mind that if, if I get out there and I just really don't feel great, I can always turn around. You know, you always have a, a backup plan, but um, I found that that really helps a lot. So I've been trying to get out a lot. I've been trying to see a lot of friends. I think one of the things from my experience only that happens when something like this happens is that you end up realizing just how many nice people you have around you. You realize, my word, there are a lot of people who care about me. Has that kind of been what, what's happening? It's been amazing. So I, you know, I came, we won the gold medal. There was a huge outpouring of, you know, congratulations and support and people were so excited. And I, you know, I, I felt like I had a good feeling for kind of my, maybe my impact, my connection with people out there. But when I made the public announcement in that first week of treatment, and it came from I wanted to let everybody know because I felt like they would want to understand what I was going through. And, and also by sharing my story, you know, if I can have a positive impact, help somebody else um, know that uh, for those people who do have cancer out there, because I've heard one of the people often feel guilty as if they kind of caused it. And it's like, hey, if an Olympic gold medalist can get this, you know, there's nothing you did. So um, those were my intentions for sharing the news. But I had no idea it was going to have such an impact. I mean, within seconds of making my post, I was getting messages uh, across all accounts. So many people have reached out, people I know, but people I you know, have never met in my life. Um, so many people sharing their stories, uh, whether they have a personal connection to breast cancer or cancer, or they have a close relative that's been through it. Um, so many people are being so encouraging, you know, telling me how strong I am, how I'm going to get through this. And it helps. I mean, it's it's amazing to, to feel that. And it's unfortunate that you have to go through something um, negative kind of to, to yeah be able to appreciate that and understand it. But at the same time, um, all those people are, are helping me so much. And the support has been amazing. And I'm I'm I've been spending the last two and a half weeks reading through all the responses that have come in and I keep finding pockets of messages I didn't even know were out there. So it's going to take me a while to kind of keep up. I've been trying to respond to most of them and I will be definitely reading through those things on the tough days. I read and correct me if I'm wrong, that you took your medal into with to, to show the nurses and stuff. My Olympic medal really, since we won it has been traveling around pretty much everywhere we go. And, um, uh, I, I had been tipped off that they kind of knew who I was. So I thought, you know, I'll just put it in my backpack just in case. And uh, so we ended up talking about, you know, the race and, the, the, you know, they'd all watched it. And so I said, hey, you guys want to see the medal? And I brought it out. And, Ooh, you know, they they all came and took pictures of it. They waited until the end of the day, you know, when my infusion was almost complete. Um, but it's just it's so fun to see how excited people get about it. And I, you know, even even in this setting, it's great to share it. So, uh, I mean, pink is so synonymous with with breast cancer as well, the um, as a colour, and you've got your pink hair as ever, and now even even more so. What do you think about the colour pink in its in its current role with you? I've always seen pink as a kind of representation of of energy. Um, and kind of female strength. It's an, a way of saying, hey, I, I can be a girl. I can be strong. I can do all these things. And that's all part of being a girl. And that's great. And we celebrate that. 
And so its connection with breast cancer, I think, actually is a very similar um, role in that pink is kind of that vibrancy that like um, we're going to, you know, we're going to celebrate um, every day we have um, and make the most out of it. And it's a it's a way that people can really unite around it. Um, and so I think, well, it just it just deepens uh, its meaning to me. I'm going to really focus on that same energy um, and strength part of it that, that it always brought to my athletics and to bringing girls together under uniting under sport. And I'm just going to kind of keep that going on the, on the side when I join the group of survivors and, you know, of people that have been affected by this. And I love it when we get men to wear pink and in support of fat, of breast cancer and, and fast and female. And, um, so yeah, I'll now, now there'll be even more pink things to look for. When I retired, a lot of people said, you know, hey, you're going to keep pink in your hair. You know, was that just the thing you used while you were ski racing? And so I kind of had to think about it like, well, you know, I really like having pink in my hair. But, you know, what's the reason why I should keep it? And now I've got a reason for life. You know, I can I can keep putting pink in my hair because of, again, kind of what it represents of just bringing energy and strength to that. So, um, yeah, I think. uh we'll keep going we'll keep going strong and and now it's just a, a great outward sign certainly with my wife she is totally obsessed about her hair not all women are the same but i do think as for especially when your identity is so tied up with your hair when it starts to fall out how does that feel i was anxious to see how it would feel. I was curious to see how it would feel. Um, you know, they can't tell you like, oh, it's going to fall out on exactly this date. Um, and it for it doesn't always fall out for everybody. So mm. once I started my first round of treatment, you know, I figured I probably had about two weeks at least. And I had these speaking engagements this past weekend. And I was just kind of hoping I would get through those because uh, I just knew it would kind of be more comfortable for everybody. Um and then literally like Monday, I went out and I was I did some training with my team, uh, the club team I used to train with. And I took off my helmet and I kind of could feel some hair come out. And at first it was just a few strands and I was kind of like, OK, well, that, that happens. And then I took a shower later. There was a few more strands and I could literally like pull out strands at a time. And so then I knew, OK, my days are numbered here. And, you know, I'd heard so many stories from people that have said, you know, the anxiousness, you know, or waiting to lose your hair was actually harder than when it actually happens. And that so many people either said they wished they had or they did shave their head before it really started to come out. Because then it just it makes it less messy. It makes it a little a little less traumatic to like be getting those chunks out. So that was kind of my plan. And so when I noticed it was starting to call out, I had the speaking engagement yesterday um, and uh, my hair looked great. You know, I went and did, did my speech. And then literally right afterwards, I went over to the hairdresser that's been putting pink in my hair for 10 years. Um, and I walked in and she was like, oh, you know, I let her know why I was coming. She said, well, you're, you know, you still look great. And I said, yeah, watch this. And I pulled out a big chunk of hair and um, which is just just kind of wild. I mean, I, for me, I didn't have I guess I had more of a curiosity about it or kind of like, wow, that's just crazy. Um, so she went, OK, yeah, it's time. So I went and I sat in the chair and she pulled out the, the buzzer and it was like, are you ready? Yep. OK, let's do this. And in the matter of about four minutes, it was all it was all gone. And uh, and I have to say, like looking in the mirror right away, it was kind of like, oh, 
that actually looks better than I thought it would. Um, you know, it's just, it's super small stubble right now. And, and then, um, I had, I had brought a wig with me, so we put the wig on and we kind of like trimmed it up and it looks surprisingly real. It's different than this one. This one I know looks surprisingly real as well, but, um, so I have another one, you know, just for those cases where I just, you know, either want to be out in public totally normal or have, have a speaking thing or whatever. But I'm also, I think I'm going to be just fine walking around without it. So, um, I definitely, I definitely liked my hair. It's definitely made different not having it, but I know this is only temporary. And, uh, so far in the, you know, less than 24 hours that I shaved it off, um, I'm, I'm feeling okay about it. That's really brave. I, I, I don't know whether <laughs> I'd be able to do that. Well, I asked myself, like, if it was a friend who was going through this and I, you know, would I, would I do it in support? Um, and I think that would be a little bit tougher, you know, here it's kind of my reality. And when, when I could see the hair coming out in my hand, you know, that, that definitely made it real for me. But in the end, it, again, it wasn't as traumatic as I thought it would be. Like I actually kind of go, yeah, I, I can do this. And my husband shaved his head in solidarity. And then my brother, who's four years younger, but looks a lot like me, surprised me with a photo last night. He's out in New York city and he shaved his head. So now we really look like twins. Um, so yeah, and all my cross country ski teammates on the US team, they've all bought pink wigs. And so they've been sending me pictures of them doing things in crazy places with their pink wigs. Every time we FaceTime, they're wearing the pink wigs. So I think we're just, you know, a lot of people are helping me have fun with this. You need to get your brother in the pink wig. That, is, that yeah. would be a must for me, definitely. Yeah. You look so similar. <laughs> so if we go back to Pyeongchang, the win in the team sprint with Jesse Diggins, a first for America and Olympic gold. Was that the very pinnacle of your career? For sure. From the time I really set foot into the sport, the ultimate goal was to win an Olympic gold medal. So to have finally achieved that light, kind of lifelong, career-long goal was just as amazing as I thought it might be um, and more, and also kind of knowing that that was the way I was going to get to end my career. So that was amazing. But then once I kind of retired and really had the chance to reflect over all the things I've been able to do, I mean, it's hard to to compare that to my first World Cup win. That was amazing. My first World Championship medal um, when Jesse and I stood on the podium at the World Championships five years ago. Um, I, I do love the Olympic medal just for kind of what it represents. You know, it represents this kind of journey of, of kind of cutting through the belief and the confidence, you know, gradually building ourselves into a nation that can compete. And then to being able to share a team victory like that was so much better than any individual success um, I've ever experienced. And, and what it just meant for our team is so powerful. So uh, that's been amazing. Um, we got to do a lot of cool stuff right after both in Pyeongchang and then coming back to the U.S., and now I get to carry that medal around and get people excited and inspired. And that's probably the best part. I read that you said, in fact, it was on Instagram, who I see in the mirror may be changing, but the fighter inside still remains. Are you bringing that kind of Olympic spirit to the, to the process of having breast cancer? I definitely am. I'm, I'm definitely utilizing a lot of the same tools and strategies that I would have if I was preparing for a big competition or overcoming an injury or setback um, during my career. I mean, in, in December of this year, so two months out from the Olympics, I got a stress fracture in my foot and I was um, a different foot than before. So I was kind of freaking out again and I just had to be like, OK, you know, 
just, um, I've got to do, I've got, you know, I can't ski, so I've got to do these other exercises and I'm going to put on my favorite music and I'm going to, I had my son there. I'm going to, you know, put focus on his positive energy and I'm going to get through this one day at a time. And every day I get through this is one day closer to the Olympics. And this is kind of every day I get through this is one day closer towards being able to hear those words, you're cancer free. So I'm definitely, I'm definitely using that. Um, I think this is going to be more challenging in that I have, I don't have control over the days I feel bad. You know, I don't know when it's going to end in a, in a workout or a hard race. I can always choose to stop. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm often uncomfortable in ski racing, but at the same time, I'm really accustomed to that kind of discomfort. And now it's, it's the fluey, sicky feeling. And that's, that's way less fun. Um, and I don't have a choice to stop. So it's going to take all that, all that kind of positive thinking, um, you know, narrowing my focus, focusing on things I can control um, to get through it. But I'm, I'm well practiced after five Olympic Games, and I really hope that will um, carry me through this. So you, you're part of the Athletes Commission for the IOC uh, as well. Um, is there something that you will bring from this experience and that you would pass on to other Olympians? Well, being part of the Athlete Commission, um, I get a chance to interact with, with athletes now all over the Olympic movement. And it was already going to be a really interesting experience to uh, compare stories from the different sports we come from, the different countries we come from. But now I have even this new part of my life, I think, to relate to people, too. And I would guess, you know, I'm not probably not too many athletes on the commission will have dealt with cancer, but they probably have a close connection to someone who has. And so that's something, one, that we can kind of bond together with and, and swap those shared experiences. But two, I think uh, a lot of us would be athletes kind of transitioning out of sport. That can be challenging in and of itself. So kind of being able to talk about what it was like to not only be transitioning out of sport, but then going through something like this at the same time, you know, I hope hopefully can can provide some good guidance to athletes out there. Um, who are, yeah, maybe the transition is difficult, maybe something else happens. And just kind of knowing, I mean, that you can get through these, these tough things. And, you know, my message right now to all my athletic friends and, and fellow Olympians is just like, enjoy what your body can do, because you just, you never know when something like this can crop up and it might be taken away. So get out there and do the things you love to do. Celebrate your strength and speed and power um and live each day to the fullest and uh and now because of my isc athlete commission role i have a bigger platform to just keep pushing that message do you have a new appreciation for life yeah totally um because you just you it just like when i had a had a baby and came back i didn't take my training time for granted anymore and and now uh, yeah i it, this just makes you kind of confront your mortality a little bit and go, well, you know, the prognosis is good. I'm I'm most likely going to get through this and, and live a long, healthy life. But once you have cancer, things are always a little bit more uncertain and you just have to say, OK, well, now I really need to make the most of every day. Just wow. Thanks to Keegan for sharing her story with us. Very powerful stuff. Totally inspiring. After I finished the interview, I just felt really invigorated and made sure I called my family just to say hi. Seizing the day, I suppose. I hope you feel the same. If you need any help with some of the issues raised, I put some links in the podcast episode description, so have a look. Special thanks today also goes to Yvette Michael for helping set up the interview, Sven Bush and James Pratt for Producer Magic too. 
Remember as well, Keekin is doing a blog at the moment and you can stay up to date with her on her Instagram too. It's at Keekanimal. That's K-I-K-K-A-N-I-M-A-L. So it's less than two years to go until Tokyo 2020 and understandably we are very excited about that here at the Olympic Channel and so we've put together a few new short videos called Going Olympic. They're specially designed to get you hyped about the Olympic Games in Japan and the five shiny new sports that will be on show at those games. So those sports will be baseball slash softball, karate, sport climbing, surfing and skateboarding. Now, I've had a sneaky peek at these videos and they're all super interesting. And if you can't get excited about Tokyo 2020 after watching them, then actually do at me. I want to know. Olympic Channel Podcast. Right then, last week's episode was with Greek gymnast Eleftherios Petronias. He's an anti-bullying advocate after being made fun of because of his height. So he spoke very well about that and also going back to Glasgow to compete for the European Championships, which are underway at the moment. Last time for the World Championships in 2015 in Glasgow, he lost his dad just two weeks before competing. Kathy Pedersen shared our video on Facebook with the caption, I heart short people. I hear you, Kathy. Stella Lavadi also shared our video on Facebook saying it was a nice tribute. And she said she met you, Eleftherius, and saw your gold medal up close. Very nice indeed. Very lucky. If you want to get in touch with us, we are at Olympic Channel across all social platforms. We've also done a little written piece where basketball player Isaiah Thomas says short people can excel. I'll also stick a link in the episode description about that one. Next week, we're going to be talking about Usain Bolt, and it's a decade since the race that shook the world, the 100-metre final. So we're asking you if you remember, rack your brains, about that amazing 100-metre final where Bolt smashed the world record to win gold. For a podcast recommendation this week, it is one of the most British things ever. But if you've never listened to Sports Week by Gary Richardson, then you really should. Right, remember that if you liked this episode, then I would be super grateful for a five-star review anywhere you can. But in iTunes, five-star reviews with text are the golden goose. That would make me very happy indeed. It basically means other people can find us. So nice one if you've already done that. That is it for now. Until next time. Think like an Olympian.